0: speaker, author, counselor, life coach, radio and television host, and college professor. Her educational background includes a bachelor's of science degree in special education, a master's degree in education, guidance and family counseling, and a doctorate in speech communication and family counseling from Wayne State University. She frequently sings with her husband, Arthur E. Nolan, as he speakers for seminars and workshops. Elder Nolan, can you please stand or wave for us, so we can acknowledge you. Amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Mr. Nolan holds a bachelor's of science degree in education and a master's of social work from Wayne State University in addition to being a certified addiction counselor. Their real-life marriage and 30 years combined service to family has resulted in a deep commitment to reconciling relationships. Their radio cable television program generation facing crisis, degradation, and deterioration. In private practice, the Nolans counsel individuals and families in their Christian Family Counseling and Substance Abuse Clinic and conduct individual and group substance abuse sessions for ex-offenders under the Federal Bureau of Prisons. Both are certified HIV counselors. They have also guided hundreds of married couples into restored relationships and have been featured in Essence Magazine, The Michigan Chronicle, and the Michigan front page. The Nolans remain active members of City Temple Seventh-day Adventist Church in Detroit, where Dr. Kim contributes to praise and worship, sign language ministry, and currently holds the position of Minister of Music. Arthur Nolan currently serves Family Life leader and has served religious liberty, deacon, and served 11 years as president of the Motor City Youth Federation. The Nolans have three children, Jason, Micah, and Aaron. and Aaron is here today. Aaron, can you stand or wave for us? Amen. There she is. Amen. I just wanted to tell you all a quick story about how I was first met Dr. Nolan. She's a very good friend of, of mine and my family's. Um, I believe it was around 1995, and I just uh, graduated from University of Michigan. And um, I was bringing her daughter back to her home from my aunt's house. I never met uh, Dr. Nolan before and as I was pulling up in the driveway, like a good mother, she was just standing in the doorway waiting to receive her daughter, and she just had this enchanted look on her face and this big smile, you know, <laughs> and the look on her face said to me, you know, if you're about seven years younger, and my daughter, will, or my daughter was about seven years older, you know, we might could make something happen here. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. So, the Lord is good, I, I'll definitely say that he's blessed our relationship. And I can go on and on about all the wonderful times that me and my family have enjoyed with Dr. Kim and hers. But to be brief, I'll just say that we love us some Dr. Kim. Amen? (laughs) She is one of our favorite friends, prayer partners, and sisters in Christ. So without further ado, after the next musical selection, I want you to sit back, relax, and enjoy the dynamic God-blessed ministry of Dr. Kim Logan Nolan. Hear ye her.
1: life. Everything that I am, hope to be and choose to become is because of him. Now let me say this. If we're going to do this this morning, you need to start smiling. You should see what I see right now. Now before we go any further, I'm going to get it all out the way. My dress is the right length for the pulpit. I'm covered up I'm here to praise God. I have one husband, amen, and I serve the living God of the Sabbath day. Now, you need to smile and rejoice. And I've come all the way from Detroit, Michigan, come on, somebody, where eight foot of snow is getting ready to fall down today, all right? Now, I need you to turn to somebody and show some teeth whether that's are yours or not. Can you turn to somebody? <laughs> Amen. Amen. You have nothing but everything to rejoice God for. Amen. Even me, Lord. Amen. Even me. No matter what you're going through today, God has already settled it at the altar. Amen. How many of you believe that? How many of you believe that? Then I need you to stand with me and give God some praise. Come on. Come on. Come on now. He's worthy. He's worthy. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy. He is almighty God. Praise him. Hallelujah. Now, I don't want to look out there anymore. And I don't see some teeth. Whether you agree with me or not, you may be mad at your spouse. Let it go. You burnt the breakfast. You didn't get breakfast. Let it go. I won't be long. Amen? But I am on God's time and not yours. Amen? So I'm just excited. So help me out by smiling. Let me know you love me. Amen? Because we're going to be in the kingdom together. That's what I'm believing. Some folks still looking at me strange, but that's all right. Hopefully before it's over, Pastor Madden, it'll be all right. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, and there's no better place than being right here at Abundant. I want to say to your viewers who are listening through the Internet, I, too, at times, view in to see my abundant family. We want to welcome you. My mother, my sister, my daughter who are in Huntsville and Maryland just want to send you greetings this morning and others. I thank God today for the opportunity to stand before you in this place. Because what you have to understand is that a man of God does not release his pulpit to anyone. He has to consult God first, then he takes it to the elders, They bring it back to him and he consults some more. And then I know already by Pastor Matt, he's already Googled me, researched me, and made sure I was in good standing with the Lake Region Conference, amen? And then I wanna thank, they're like my little brother and sister, Elder Brian and Christina, I thank God for them. And the example they have led in my oldest daughter's life, Micah, my youngest daughter, and Arthur and I, they're not wishy-washy friends. They're steadfast and unmovable. Like a tree planted by the water, I shall not be moved. If I need them tomorrow and I don't talk to them for another six months, they'll be the same. Amen. Amen. I thank God for Brislin and Brandon. They have just grown so much, so adorable. But I get a chance to see them at the Lake Region Campground. Amen. Amen. And they're so polite and so loving. I want to thank, also, I met a little friend this week, being here. Tova, where, where are you? Where are you? Is she hiding from me? Did she leave out? She's in the, oh, okay, all right. She, that's her mom, oh, well, she has given me hugs since Wednesday, all day yesterday. I didn't get one today, so I don't know what happened. I didn't get a hug today, but I'm going to get it later so I thank God for the children who came out for stewardship. I want to thank all of you who came out on Wednesday evening and on last night. You know, it is not easy to put on a program and to make sacrifices to support that program. We're all very busy, but I want you to know that God's people must come together to support one another's programs. My husband and I serve as the Family Life Leaders of the Lake Region Conference. And we have to give retreats and seminars and programs. We have 129 churches in our district. And we travel from Minnesota to Wisconsin, to Illinois, to Indiana, back to Michigan, and Nevada, and Hawaii, and all over the world. For the Lord, amen, somebody. I thank the Lord for just being God in my life. When I was here some years ago, I met some wonderful people, and now I'm seeing new faces, and I pray that we will stay connected. I pray that when Jesus comes, we'll all be on the sea of glass together. Is that your desire? Amen. So I want to thank Pastor Matt. Pastor is that your wife? Praise Lord? My first time seeing that pretty lady. God bless you, what's your name? Andrea, it's nice to meet you. God is good. You have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful husband. He was so kind and been so gracious to us. All of you, the hospitality has gone far beyond. I felt this morning, Pastor, I had my own armor bearer today, and she's elder of the month. What's her name? Elder Perkins. She caught me going in, getting mic'd up, and then she stood and waited for me in the restroom. Waiting for me while I washed my hands. She combed my hair in the back, made sure I was all right. Then turned me over to Elder Stanley. I felt like, woo! I got my own arm up there. You know, I thought she. I didn't have any books with me. I bet she would have carried my books. Amen. So I want to thank you for being so dutiful. No wonder you're Elder of the Month. I bring you greetings from my home church, the City Temple Seventh-day Adventist Church, where I am no longer the minister of music, but I gotta update that, but I am now the family life leader. I have served as a stewardship leader, and my husband is elder and also family life, and we serve as the Lake Region Family Life Directors. Amen. So we are busy, and I'm also over the deaf ministry of my church. So those who may be deaf, hello, and happy Sabbath. God bless you. Amen. I want to talk to you today about not just stewardship, but your life and saving your life. Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O oh Lord, thy strength and my Redeemer. The same God of Moses who parted the Red Sea, the same God who saved the Hebrew boys out of the fiery furnace, the same God who wrestled with Jacob till you blessed blessed. You are the same God today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Now, Lord, hide me behind Calvary, that neither I'm seen nor heard. But, Lord, use me, and we will give you all the glory. Because that's the one thing you will not share is your glory. So we thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. I appreciate so much um, when I came in uh, thanking God for the music this morning. Music is instrumental to the service. And I truly enjoy that. And I can't tell you because, again, has served as Minister of Music, it is a responsibility to the church. It Ellen G. White says, it sets the tone for the service. I thank God, you know, being a mother, I'm proud to be a wife and I'm proud to be a mother. I love being a mom. Um, We have a 36-year-old son. We have a 31-year-old daughter and we have a 13-year-old daughter. Don't y'all look at me like that. (laughs) You know, love is good in the house, amen. God is still blessing. Amen. <laughs> I bet some of you are saying better you than me, all right? <laughs> Around the church they called Arthur and I, Abraham and Sarah and I would say, honey, Sarah never looked so good, all right? <laughs> Don't mess with me now, all right? I believe you should come to church to learn, come to church to feel good, and come to church to release. You need to laugh. You need to be able to have a Good time. And Trey, this is the best place. Not at the clubs. Not tomorrow watching the Super Bowl. I'm, yeah, I'm not a football fan, all right? But I'm going to have everything laid out for my husband, amen. amen? So, sisters, get the Doritos ready and the chips and all that together for the Super Bowl party. Or if it's just him, lay it out like a queen should, amen? amen. And don't walk around the house all mad and upset. Sit down and watch the game, amen? amen. Might as well, you know. I can't watch the game with my husband because I talked through the whole game. Well, why are they doing this? What's going on now? Why is that? Why do you do the ball that way? Kim, go, just go, Kim. I tried, so I thank the Lord for my children. Um, but when you wait on the Lord, God knows when to give you your children. Um, and Sister Christina and I, and I told this story, she and I were expecting. At the same time, there were five women at our church all expecting at the same time. And I was the eldest, and they treated me so wonderfully. And um, they all had sons. All had sons. I was the only one that had the daughter. Isn't that amazing? And now they're all little brothers and sisters. Amen, sister. So I thank God for that. Amen. The title of my sermon, and I hope you take some notes because I came... With a mighty word today. The title of my sermon today is If You, Then I. If You, Then I. Turn to someone and say, If You, if you then, I. then I. Why does the word stewardship frighten church members so much? Causing them to frigid in their seats? Usually, when the minister brings up this topic, is inevitable about money. It's immediately bringing up fears about giving more of ourselves, making a financial commitment, making sacrifices, and staying on course. In some cases, they may include making a financial pledge when the economy is unsteady, job status is no longer secure, and saving for the future are no longer guaranteed. With so much uncertainty, some church members who are just trying to get spiritual nutrition and nourishment are anxious about whether they can live up to the biblical expectations. The Bible says in Psalms 119, 1, order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. In Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's talk about some of the concerns church members may have regarding stewardship. Now, when Elder Brian called me, I said, oh, you, oh, because you know I love family life, I love youth ministries, but when it comes to stewardship, that's my middle name. I walk, I eat, I live, I drink, I pray stewardship. I didn't ask for that calling. God put it on me. So let's go to the first question. Amen? The following what-ifs are realistic worries. The average church member grapples with when faced with decisions to make a financial commitment to the church. The first question is, what if I make a pledge to tithes and offering? And I cannot maintain it. All right. The response. In order to be in alignment with God, we must become obedient to his commands to tithes and offering. Only then will we receive his great blessing and true favor. See, I don't just want God's blessings. I want the favor. Come on, somebody. I don't just want baby steps of blessing. I want leaps of favor. Come on, somebody. See, God blessed you to wake up this morning. God woke you up in your right mind, I pray so. Amen, somebody. But then he says, I'm going to get you to church. Last night, Arthur went the wrong way on I-15. Somebody blew at us. We still didn't understand what was going on. Arthur got halfway up the ramp, four cars coming towards us. He said, I'm going the wrong way. I went into prayer mode. He backed up. That's favor. We could have been killed last night. That's favor. I have mercy. Next time I'm going to drive. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, baby. I love you. You know, sometimes sisters got to take the wheel. (laughs) Woo, glory be. Now, you cannot waver when giving offering to God. Now, let's go to Melchizedek. It's all right we use the word. I brought my word. You know, I don't trust those iPads and phones and things. They, the battery go out. You, can't, you sitting there can't even read your word. You better bring your backup. The backup is the iPad, all right? Then you better go back to the original word. Amen. Look at me. I'm already talking about you. All right, let's go to Malachi. Woo! Amen. Now, I never forget being in church, and the minister got up, and he said, all right, we're going to go to Malachi, all right, chapter 6, all right? And then we're going to go down a little bit. All right, we're going to go all the way down to verse 10. Now, when the when the man got up to preach, the pastor He did the tithing offering, and there was an elderly lady sitting there about in her 90s, and she said, he said, will a man rob God? And she said, yes, he will. (laughs) Right in the middle of his doing the offering. She said, I'm telling you, a man will rob God. All right, now let's shake your word and give the devil a headache, amen? (laughs) For I am the Lord. I change what? Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your father ye are gone away from my ordinance and have not kept them. Return. Do you say, Return? Amen. Unto me, and I'll return unto you. Amen? Saith the Lord of hosts. Be but ye said, Wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have ye robbed thee? And tithes and what? Tithes. So it's okay just to give your tithes, right? He said tithes and offering, Amen? Amen. He said tithes and offering." Let's continue. Ye are cursed with a curse if you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, I don't know about you. I do not want to be cursed. I don't want to be cursed. Amen? Amen. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, Seth, the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven, And pour you out a blessing that you shall not be what? Room, room enough to receive it. Sister Taylor said, You won't have room enough to receive it. Have you ever gone to your refrigerator and you opened it and you say, I can't, I don't have anything to eat, but it was full. You go to your closet and say, I have nothing to wear and there's a closet full of clothes. You look at your shoes and say, "Mm, I need some more shoes and you have a closet full of shoes. You won't have room enough to receive it. Amen? All right, let's go on. And that's what the word says. Amen? Question number two, what if I can't keep up with my pledge and my bills? My response, the way in which we handle our finances mark our spiritual commitment to God. It's often been said that more could be learned about a personal commitment, a person's commitment to Christ by looking at his checkbook as opposed to his prayer book. Mmm. We tend to justify spending money on what we consider to be more important expenditures than giving to assist in the caring of God's church. Now, Brother Nolan, could you help me out a minute? Mmm. Oh, my. Ooh, I'm just so excited. Ooh. Mmm. I don't mmm. Mmm. Oh. Oh my goodness. I don't have my tithes and offering. Oh my goodness. Honey. Oh, praise the Lord. You know, before we head out to church, come come up a little closer, honey. I need a favor. I need a favor. Could you loan me my tithes and offering until next week? What happened to your tithes and offering? Well, the Lord blessed. No. The Lord bless. And I kind of. Wait, wait,
2: wait, wait, wait a minute. Are you telling me that you spent your tithes and offerings on
1: that? Well, yes, but it was on sale and the Lord opened the door. <laughs> that I couldn't have room enough to receive so, it. Wait, wait, wait,
2: wait. So now you're coming to me to ask you to loan you some money.
1: I, I need to, yeah, loan, loan loan me. I just want, just loan me some money so that I can return my tithes and offering, and then I'll pay you back.
2: Loan you some money because you spent your money.
1: I, I spent on, my tithes and offerings. On what? On a few things. On what? On a few, um, well, I, I couldn't pass up those, true, you know, I've been looking for those true religions. True days.
2: religion, okay. And
1: I got a couple of watches. Right. And uh, that was my tithe.
2: That's your tithe.
1: And my
2: offering? Well, I'm going to do you a favor.
1: Okay.
2: I'm not going to loan you the money. What? I'm not going to loan you the money.
1: You're my husband. You're going to help I, me. I'm helping you. How you going to
2: help me? By, by helping you to make a decision and take that stuff back to the, and get your money and go pay your tithes and offering.
1: I lost the receipt.
2: That's all right. You probably paid for it on your credit card, and they can take it. Get all the information they need and give you your money back.
1: I have to take all this back? Everything. But, but church starts in a few minutes. We, we, we can't go to the mall and take it back now.
2: Well, you know, what you need to do is take it back Monday morning, go back to the treasurer and tell him you forgot to pay your tithes and offering, and make sure he gets it so he can put it in the, in the, uh, in the church.
1: Well, I didn't forget to pay my tithes and I just used... I'm just trying to help
2: you out right now.
1: <laughs> Baby, I don't need a show of hands who have gone through that situation where God gave you the provisions to return unto his storehouse, but you used the provisions, and then you wondered why you were cursed with a curse. Question number three What if I don't agree with how the money is used in the church? There are committees set in place to oversee the financial direction of the church. Elder Stanford, could you help me out? Amen. Elder Brown, could you help me out, please? I need a couple of mics. I'm just trying to make it real for you, amen? Yes. I just don't understand where all the money is going. Now, I feel that we need to set up a new separate committee from the finance committee. And I need some people to join forces with me. You know, you looking mighty good. Couple of new suits. I've seen that new car. Where is the money going? Where the money going? You always asking for money. Let me finish, child. You always asking for money to run the programs. Alright? Where the money going? I'm not finished yet. Okay? You need money for Sabbath school. You need money for message magazine. You need money for uh, programs. We had five di- Why we gotta have five dinners every month? That don't make no sense. Let folks bring things from home. Hey Amen, let's have a potluck. What happened to the good old potluck days? But you know I don't eat everybody's cooking though, no, all right? <laughs> so we might need to keep that in the budget, all right? You know, you got something to sell the brown.
2: Yeah. Have you been coming to the business meetings? Not really. If you come to the business meeting, you'll see exactly where all the money is going.
1: They pass out handouts?
2: They do that.
1: So what's his job?
2: His job is to keep you faithful. What? He's a stewardship leader. Hmm. To remind you that when you return what God has given to you, as Hmm. opposed to true religion and watch that God
0: will bless you. Amen.
1: (laughs) Amen. Amen. So there are committees in place. You need to come to the church business meeting. You need to voice your concerns. You need to be able to listen to the Treasury report. Don't just sit back and criticize and stop giving give your time and come and understand what's going on amen this is your church you need to know what is going on all right because that's god's way decently in order the bible says in matthew 37 and 39 thus said he unto his disciples the harvest truly is plenteous but the laborers are what Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth believers unto his harvest. In other words, God has a blessing waiting for each of us if we can just trust God, move ourselves out of God's way. We need to be teaching our children now what those little yellow envelopes are. You know, where are my envelopes? I need just one. You should have your tithes and offering written out Wednesday, Thursday. You need to have that done. Thank you. Ooh, y'all got some cute ones. Hey, man, you changed it up. Mm. Look at you all. So now this is on the table. We keep it before the family. So when we begin to write out our checks and making sure light, gas, phone, and food, and expenditures, this is the first fruit of our labors. God will bless and stretch. How many know that I'm a witness of that? How many believe that? Amen? But you have to teach. Train up a child in the way it should go when it's old it shall not depart. Amen. All right? Okay. Question number four and five. What if I put off buying a new car for another year, then the one I have is falling apart? Or what if my commitment to tithe interrupts my plans to finally purchasing a new home? Number one. Developing faith comes by beginning to listen and respond to the Holy Spirit Promptings. Faith is seeking truth in God's word and acting in obedience to it. If that house is for you, don't you know God's gonna hold that house and give it to you the right way? When you hold your tithes and offering, you interfering with God's plan for your life. Faith is facing the unforeseen without fear and trusting the outcome. Amen. Because my Bible says in Hebrews eleven six that he is a diligent rewarder of them that what? Seek him. But if you're only praying on Monday and you pray when you come before Pastor Madden and the Lord, but Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you didn't have any power, you're not going to, you didn't have any prayer, you're not going to have any power. If you're not in your word every day, asking the Lord to keep you away from the casinos and the scratch numbers and the lotto tickets and spending your money at true religion and other places because you're not in your word to make good decisions, order my steps, Lord. You're going to deviate from the plan, and you're going to destroy your life. Satan is ready to destroy each of us because he doesn't want to see us saved. Okay? Okay. All right. So God's truth prevails. It never falters. When I was a student at Oakland University, I needed a job. And a young lady by the name of Janice Stevenson, raise your hand, Janice, all right, told the dean of men that I needed a job. I was a freshman. She really didn't know me, but I was putting my name in different places for jobs. But I knew God would be faithful to me because he sent me to Oakwood on the Greyhound bus with $20 in my pocket, a truck, uh, a Foot Locker full of used clothes. And my mother said, God be with you. And I thanked the Lord that she sent me. My mom did all she could. My brother was at Andrews. My sister was at Cedar Lake Academy. And I was on my way to Oakwood. And there still was another son on his way to the military. But my mom never gave up on her faith to God, asking people for help. So, in that, that young lady told Dean Ford about me, Janice. She came back and told me there's a job opening because I can no longer be the child care sitter. So I went interviewed for the job, and Dean Winton Ford hired me. And from there, After working with him and the children, I took care of them. I took them to the park. I clothed and bathed them, still attending all my classes at Oakwood. Then his wife noticed the way I kept house. And she said, I'm going to talk to Dean Holloway about a job in the cafeteria for you. And I said, OK, because I still need money for the next semester. They created a job for me. How many of you remember all my children, Erica Kane at the Chateau? hmm you know you did. You watched all my children. I'm so glad they took it off to save all of us. Amen. God saved us all. So they were watching all my children, and they noticed that the way I carried myself, even in my hand-me-down clothes, and they said, we want you to be the new hostess in the cafeteria. You have a great smile. You love people. You always come to work on time. You've been good to my children. You keep my house immaculate. Come and do this. So I was sa- standing at the door at Oakwood Cafeteria. Good morning. Welcome to Oakwood College Cafeteria. May I have your card, please? You may enter. Enjoy your breakfast. Next. And then I would walk the line to make sure no one cut the line. I got to know every student on that campus. All right, because I was the one to get through. Amen. From there, a pastor noticed me walking up and down the halls in the lines greeting people. He said, I know a professor who is looking for a reader. And I said, really? And I said, that's not what I want to do, all right? He said, but you will be the perfect person for this job. So I went and interviewed with this professor, and I said, in the interview, I cannot work for you. He said, why not? I said, you are too intimidating. I can't do it. He said, sit yourself down. (laughs) And that man was Dr. Henry Wright. I worked for him for two and a half years. And out of working for him, I learned to type, take letters, how to do proposals, how to teach classes, how to intercede for him, answer his phone, how to do his memos. Because Dr. Henry Wright is not one to play with. Amen? He is about excellence. And then many, many years later, I wrote a book about stewardship, and he did the second forward on the book. Amen. God will bring things full circle. When you know King Jesus, God will turn things around for you. And I was able to get through Oakwood College, now University, and then have an alliance and a networking a networking of pastors and teachers and doctors and lawyers because these people saw me walk in that line. I remember you, Kim. I remember you. Kim, Kim, I said, praise the Lord. You still with the Lord? I'm still with the Lord. You still seven days? I said, all day. <laughs> Amen, somebody? All day. Folks think I'm Baptist, Church of God, Pentecostal, Jehovah Witness. I say I'm a little bit of everything, but I'm Seventh-day Adventist, and I'm proud of it. Amen. Amen? So we have to have faith when we run into issues that we are concerned about so that the Lord will bless us because of wavering commitment to him. James 1.8 says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You can't flip one way and flip one way with God. Either you're going to trust him or you're not. Amen, somebody? Now, can you go with me to 2 Kings, amen? 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. Amen. When you have it, let the church say amen. Amen. Now there cried a certain woman. Does everyone have it? Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet unto Elijah, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did he fear the Lord. And the creditors come to take unto him my two sons to be bombing. How many sons? And Elijah said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, thy handmaid have not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. Then he said, go borrow these vessels abroad. Of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all these vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her and she poured out and it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son bring me yet a vessel and he said unto her there is not a vessel more and the oil stayed then she came and told the man of God and he said go sell the oil and pay thy debt and live thou and thy children of the rest hmm. you see she didn't go to a politician she didn't go talk to President Obama. She went to her pastor. See, we tend not to want to go to our pastors because we don't want him to think ill of us or we're in need or something is going on. That's why he's the man of God. So she has borrowed all she could. She did everything she could. And she listened to the prophet. And on yesterday, we talked about the miraculous multiplication on lesson number five, four, amen, somebody? And in the story, the man in the story, he had an orphanage, and he had no food left for the children. There was nothing there but breadcrumbs, and there was a knock at the door, and the vegetable man came by, amen, somebody? And then the produce butcher came by, then the milkman came by, and everything was in divine order. So the question is, I have for you, that God can bless with supernatural supply. What kind of oil do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? Maybe you have the ability to help yourself and change your financial situation. She had a jar with her oil, and maybe you sew. You work on cars. You have a cleaning business, drawing, poetry, baking, music. You can write plays. I, use, I, have, I got a degree in sign language and started a sign language choir. We're celebrating 20 years this year, elder. People would tease me and say, girl, you got the gift to gab. Amen? Hmm. God turned that gab into oil. Amen, somebody? Amen. I want you to know that God can use you. This dress is a new design. I designed this. I designed this in my new line. I said, why do I need to be wearing everybody else's clothes? I'm gonna start my own clothing line, make my own clothes, do my eBay page, got my own store and my website going on separate from my counseling clinic, separate from my motivational speaking engagement, separate from 3ABN, come on somebody, amen. And now I got with a designer who worked for Oscar De La Rente in London who lives in Detroit now. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. One day I was out campaigning for city council. I saw this woman and I thought I was sharp. She could have slapped me, all right? I said, who are you? And my girlfriend who was with me at the time and one of my campaign managers, she said, you don't know who that is? I said, no. That is one of the leading black designers in the world. I said, we need to be friends. I don't know how my husband was going to like it. Amen. So she started sewing for me, and I said, I've got an idea. I design, you make my designs. All right, right, now we're on number 46 because I need at least 52 garments on my website so now people can start ordering them and doing. Amen, somebody. What kind of oil, kind of ideal do you have that can take you to be the lender, not the borrower? You can be the head, not the tail. God has given you great wealth and talent. Why are you sitting on what God has given you to do? God has giving you more than go to work, come home, cook dinner, go to bed, and get up. Go. Please! You have a ministry. Even the senior citizen it's not over until God says it's over. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. So I, I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you. God can do great things. And I took the one things God said, well, what do I know what my talents are, Lord? What do you love to do, Kim? I love to talk and I love to dress. Well, we're going to turn them into multi-million dollar businesses. When you give yourself to God, God will take that and do supernatural things powers with it. Do you understand? And I'm not just talking little bit. I'm talking much. He can take the ordinary make it extraordinary. Okay, you keep looking at me like I'm crazy. Mmm, Lord. The Bible said the rocks will cry out for you. You will never know what you're capable of doing unless you try, unless you ask God. But every last one of you sitting here have a special gift that you can do, that no one else can do that can take it to the next level. Do you really think Mr. Fields is the only one he gave oatmeal raisin cookies to? Do you really think, all right, Michael Kors is the only one? Okay, do you really think? Pots and pans. who wear a thought? Seasoning, seasoning, million dollar industry. All right, Q-tips, million, billion dollar industry. All right, and I said, I'm reading everybody else's books. I'm going to start writing my own books. Amen? Now I've got five books. Amen, somebody. And what I learned, Pastor Madden, when I go to speak, they can't take me home. Bishop T.D. Jakes told me this. He said, Kim, Dr. Kim, they can't take you home, but they'll buy your books, buy your DVDs, they'll buy your CDs. I got my books with me. Amen? Amen. They'll buy everything. You'll walk out of there $400,000 richer. Amen. Another story that was on CNN. A woman lost her home. She was Her children were in college. She didn't know what she was going to do. Her husband divorced her. She went upstairs. She looked in her closet, looked at all her jewels, her shoes, everything. She put it all on eBay and made three million dollars. Come on, somebody. You're not wearing half that stuff anyway. Sell it. Amen. Bring it to the church. Let's have a clothing drive. Let's have a stewardship day, amen, for the community. And the proceeds go to stewardship, children's ministry, the food bank, amen. amen. Are you hearing me? Amen. Oh, but you know what, Elder Sanford, that's going to take a lot of work. Folks don't want to work. See, I'm a hard worker. I'm a businesswoman. My, my girlfriend called me a woman. I'm a woman. You handle your business, Kim. All right? I am a serious businesswoman. And when my father, I was a little girl, my father was a numbers man. Back in the old days, they would come knock at the door. And my mother would be at work, and he said, this, he said you got some skills, but you got to keep our secret. And I'd be down there counting that money. Mm. And he said, did you count it right? I counted right. Because I was special needs. I have ADHD. And my father noticed certain things about me. And so when the knock at the door, he said, you ask who it is, and then you take the piece of paper. Amen, somebody. I got a real early age for liking money. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) And he showed me certain things. But I could have gone the wrong way, but I took it to Jesus. Amen? Amen. And he never interfered with my mother raising us and keeping the Sabbath. God is good. But then I got addicted. I got addicted to things like clothes and shoes and buying and buying and buying and buying. Almost cost me my marriage. And then my pastor, seriously, almost cost me my marriage. And Arthur was very patient with me because one day he came home and he said, "Um, you didn't pay the mortgage? I said, yes I did. I said, and he, he didn't open the mail. He didn't answer the phone, Pastor Matt. You know how it is. We do that, right? My husband that day opened it, and he decided at that point to answer the phone. And it was Chase Bank. And they said that the mortgage had not been received. Let me tell you, I told my husband they made a mistake. Banks can make mistakes, right? Can they make mistakes? You know, you better check your account every other day. Make it every day. And so I said, well, honey, no, everything is in order. He went upstairs. He sat on the bed, and he says, is there anything you need to tell me? I said, no. He said, okay. The next day they called again. He said, Kim, is there anything you need to tell me? And I said, no. He said, and I went upstairs, so finally, Satan will get you to lie. He'll trick you, mess you up. And I said, I took the mortgage money and I spent it on something. And I really needed to have it, that I thought. And my husband said, do I need to take the checkbook and the credit cards? And I said, Lord, no, please. That's my lifeline to the United States of America. (laughs) Amen, somebody. (laughs) Please don't take my money. And now they got, you can go get online and shop all over the world. And so he said, all right, well, we need to fix this. So my husband, and the thing about God, God held up all my billing money from my patients so that I could be exposed. God will expose you, but he will give you enough time to make it right. But if you don't make it right, God will expose you to save you. Amen? So in that, the question comes, what if I lose my job and have no salary? We have to recognize when something is taken away from us, we have to come up with a new strategy. Your season may have been over at that particular job. God placed you there for a season. Remember, if God allowed it, God foresaw a way for you to get through it. I have a patient now who she started applying for a job two years ago, and the Lord blessed her real quickly. She put her applications in. Four months ago, she was told she was, her job was going to be terminated at Chase Bank. And then... Four months ago, Blue Cross Blue Shield called her. Do you know, yesterday she called and told me, I start working two weeks at Blue Cross. God has allowed her a little window to rest, and she goes into another job because she trusted God. Next question, what if I can't adjust to my retirement and changes of lifestyle? We have a lot of seniors. What if that family medical emergency arises and I can't pay the bills? In most cases, when you retire, it does not mean you cannot do other things. It's up to you to implement transition to improve your lifestyle. It's not the problem, but the way you handle the problem. Amen? Amen. In my book, Refusing a Direct Order, on page 40, just one sentence, sentence, God reveals to us all, both in very direct and quiet subtle ways, that in order to understand the true essence of stewardship, we must first understand his changes are needed in us. Second, we must accept his changes. And thirdly, we must imitate God in our changes. Amen? So therefore, you've got to have a budget. I cannot tell you how important it is to have a family budget. I cannot tell you you have to set a plan. I don't care if you don't have a job. You still need to have a budget amen somebody amen. you need to set a budget if you're on a fixed income social security you have to have a plan and you have to prioritize and, and 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 it's so important that husbands and wives you be on one accord you have to I talked about having Arthur sign on my bank account having I didn't want him to but God spoke to me and God will give you he really did a revelation to a confirmation you have to be on one accord, husbands and wives. You cannot be separate when it comes to finances, or you will never be the head where God wants you to be. Amen? In honor of Black History Month, I want to discuss quickly the correlation of the black church and its role during Reconstruction. Another major event in history, you, when under the emancipation in 1886, freeing the slaves and what did it mean to the African Americans? It meant that among this freedom, the new found freedom, they were not prepared to thrive as a people. So they had to be indoctrinated and bring their skills together. The black church was found to be used as a refuge to save the lives of its members. In essence, the church created social programs to help provide education, technical skills, food banks, finances, and spiritual enlightenment. The church thrived because people realized the opportunities that was offered would increase their abilities to be independent of their former slave masters. Here we are today at Abundant, participating in a formal Christian environment that continues to require positive social programs, education, community outreach, and finances in order to accomplish the church goal and its objectives. We cannot falter by demonstrating a lay Odyssean attitude within our Christian walk. So why support stewardship? The same reason it's always been. From the widow with the jar of oil, to food banks on the corners, to the GED programs offered in the church, Christian education, and to the community outreach program, we must give to stewardship faithfully for the operation of God's church and winning and for a personal supernatural blessing. We need to give liberally so that churches, our churches, will continue to offer support within their communities. When I was asked to serve as stewardship leader, I was not willing to give my time nor my talent. It wasn't until I spoke to my brother-in-law, the late Pastor James Humphreys, who was the chaplain at that time of Oakwood College. And he said, sis, you need to do this for the Lord. And I said, I can't take notes. And Pastor Joseph said to me, you don't even know what it means to be stewardship leader. He said, let me explain it to you. I talked to my brother-in-law. He said, call me on Sunday. When I called on Sunday, Pastor Humphrey had passed away. At that moment, I knew the last word he spoke to me. He said, sis, you need to be stewardship leader of the church. My church thought I was insane, the type of things that I did, what I offer to the church. But on one particular Sabbath, two individuals never knew that God's toilet paper and God's tissues belonged to the church. Once it comes from Costco, it's no longer Costco, it belongs to Abundant. The water, the lights, the gas, the bulletins. I stood at the back of the church and I would not give out bulletins to people whose name was not on my stewardship list. I said that you re- if you didn't return tithes and offering, you didn't get a bulletin. Go sit down. <laughs> Share with somebody. This is not a welfare church. This church is operated and ran on the obedience and the faith of God's members. And being faithful, being a faithful steward, means just that. And I have never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. God said water the bread cast upon the water shall return in a few days. Amen. Being a faithful steward does not mean you will experience you will experience difficulties. I'm gonna go to my slide presentation. My family had a very tumultuous 2013. I'm gonna go back one. Is that the first one? Okay. At 8.15, I received a call, Dr. Kim and Arthur, get out of the building, get out of the building. And I said, what's wrong? We're not there yet. The fire, the building is on fire. Myron is taking hostages and he's shot, he's shot someone. I arrived to the building and my building was on fire, where I had practiced for 22 and a half years at 8813 Grand River. Being in private practice for 30 years, this is where God put me in the inner city community, not in the suburbs, not, but right there in the community where the drug addicts, the prostitutes, where the people on Medicaid, people who needed my help, where I could feed and help them. When God planted me there, I said, why, Lord? He said, I've got a work for you to do. When I walked down Grand River, I thought I was in a lifetime movie. I said, God, what have I done? I did not know about this affair that was going on in my office, down the hall, not in my office. The maintenance man that I'd known for 15 years had an adulterous affair with one of the billing receptionists at the doctor who owned the building. That was the next day. That's my office. There was nothing left, not a file, not a piece of paper, not a rubber band, not a pencil, nothing, absolutely nothing. I had just redecorated my office. I was a faithful steward. I returned my and offering. I was in church. I served. I was stewardship leader, minister of music, youth leader. What more do you want? Conference worker, 3ABN. I'm doing what you tell me to do, Lord. But he said, I never said it was going to be easy. But I'll never leave or forsake you. So in that, I looked, and Arthur said to me, put a smile on your face. And every sermon I heard up to that time, Pastor Madden, was about Job. I said, I won't hear about Job. I want my office back. I said, I really understand what Job must have went through. So I got all dressed and went on and looked at my building. And there was nothing left. So Arthur said, come on. That's the door I would go into. This was April 9th, 2013. But what was so miraculous, our daughter Erin, she was supposed to be with uh, Sister Elder Gray, Elder Gray, but she had to go to the Lake Region campground. So Erin had to catch the bus. I went upstairs. Erin was still sitting down on her bed. Erin knows she, got to, uh, she respects her mother. I said, girl, your father is waiting for you. Erin would not move. The Holy Spirit set her on the bed. The girl was moving like this. Okay? I said, what are you doing? It's after the Holy Spirit told her, don't move. Because if we, we had an eight o'clock appointment, they both canceled, we were going to get there at about a quarter to nine to work on our files, we would have died in that building. Arthur had to take Aaron to Peterson Warren Academy in Inkster. I stayed home getting ready for the Sabbath. It was Tuesday, i like to get an early start. I looked at my watch and I said, oh my goodness, it's almost nine, I gotta get to my office. My cell phone rang, Dr. Kim, get out, get out. I said, what? The building is on fire. The police department said, let it burn, let it burn. So a month later, they called me to walk through the building. That's my stuff, stuff, and three other doctors, the dentist, the podiatrist, and me. That's where my office was. Nothing left. Absolutely nothing. 22 and a half years. 31 years of my practice gone. Arthur said to me, come on, Kim. Let's go. I couldn't move from that spot. Elder Brian, I couldn't move. Because the Lord gave me that. And I said, what is going on? Not me, not me who's been faithful to the Lord, not me. And I said, all right. And Arthur said, come on, Kim, there's nothing here. And all we found was a picture of our oldest daughter scarred, charred around, an old signing sheet, and three pages out of my new book because I was having a book signing that month at St. Regis Hotel. That's Arthur holding our daughter's picture, Micah. That's all we found out of everything. So Arthur said, come on, Kim, let's go. We got in the car, getting ready to head down to 3ABN. We get a call, not even a month to the date, and they called us, that's what it looks like. And they called us and told us that our oldest daughter, Micah, had breast cancer. I said, what? We were in the car on our way to 3ABN after looking at the debris. I was in tears. My husband said, What? I said, What's wrong? What's wrong with Micah? I said, Give me the phone. Mamas are strong. I said, What is it? She said, Mommy, I got the test result back. I said, What is it? She said, I have breast cancer. I said, Lord, once again, I'm being faithful to the Lord. I said, Not my baby. Lord, give it to me. I have had a full life. Give me breast cancer. But God said this is her testimony, just like the fire was our testimony. And the Lord won't put more on you what you can bear. Do you understand me? You have all gone through something. You know what I'm talking about. But I didn't want to come here and let you know that Dr. Kim hasn't been through something. We lost everything. Do you understand? But we didn't lose our lives. So she went through seven six treatments of chemo. And we would fly back and forth to be with her elder. Hardest thing to see my baby go through that chemo treatment. And then she had to go through surgery. And then she had to go through 35 treatments, Ryan, 35 treatments of radiation. She got through the surgery, and she ran a race. This was at the breast cancer race in October. ML6, she's a radio personality, and People like James Fortune, Kirk Franklin, Ricky Smiley, people from all over the country banded together with her, Anita Wilson, um, um, people from all over the country. What can we do? Because when no one was playing our music, Micah was. Didn't know who a James Fortune was. He talked about Micah all on his radio show. You understand? And so she ran the race. Hadn't got the results back, but she ran the race. And over 80 people came from all over the country to run with her. I couldn't be there because I had a speaking engagement that I committed to over a year ago. But next year, we're taking a bus down to run with her. And then we got the news that she was cancer-free. Now she's on the medication for 10 years. She finished the radiation last week. And our baby is cancer-free. You just don't know, being a faithful steward, what God will do. But 25 years ago, I asked God, Pastor Madden, to put me in a building. And God said, Sister Madden, you're not ready for that. You're too arrogant. You spend money that you don't have. You don't know what it is to be faithful to me yet and go through something. So I'm going to put you over in the wilderness. Amen? And then when my husband and I got to call... uh, My girlfriend called me and she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm sitting on the toilet. She said, are you using it? (laughs) I said, no. She said, get up, go find you a new office. I said, I can't, I just, I don't know how to do this again. Kim, you Dr. Kim, you lead people, you know what to do. And then one of my patients called me and said, Dr. Kim, you've been my doctor for over a year. You've helped me come back to the Lord. I'm getting off probation. You've been by my side in court. Now I need you to get back to work because I need a letter next month. (laughs) They wouldn't even allow me to heal. None of my patients. Do you hear me? They wouldn't let me heal. And I said, Lord, help me. So my husband got me up off the toilet. He said, come on. And I said, okay. And I'm walking like this. He said, get dressed. I put one leg on, one boot. Because every day of my life, this is what I did, being a doctor, helping people. And I said, Lord, this is too much. And so my husband I told him I wanted to stay in Detroit because I'm a diehard Detroiter. And so I made a promise to the mayor of the city of Detroit. And he gave me my first grant along with Judge Greg Mathis sitting on the committee with the council members. So you don't know how far God can take you back to your good friend. And then... I told the mayor, I will never leave Detroit, and I haven't. I've kept my business in Detroit, and 25 years later, the Lord has put me in the Fisher Building in Detroit, Michigan. That same building I looked at 25 years ago. 25 years. I didn't have the clientele, couldn't afford the rent, didn't have all the The the, the finesse and God said now my child you've been through something so now when I walk through that high rise to my office I walk with my head up I'm God's child oh and my patient's like I like this Dr. Kim they say you know that was just a place God placed you for a little while but sometimes it may take 22 and a half years it may take 32 years you may have to wander in the wilderness 40 years But God is still faithful. God is still faithful. And I thank God. I know what I know to be true. What Satan has for destruction, God turned in reconstruction. And that's why I can sing, Down through the years uh, God's been good to me Well, down through the years Sing it with me. God's been good to me. Has he been good? Down through the years. God's been good to me. I know that God's really been good to me. Come on, sing it with me. Come on. Down through the years. Come on now. Down through the years. God's been good to me. With Down through the years. I'm talking faithful stewardship. Me Down through the years. God's been good to me. You know that God's really been good
3: to me.
1: My sermon title was, If You, Then I. The Bible says that if my people will turn from their wicked ways, then I, he said when much is given, much is required, if you, then I will. He said if you, be thou faithful unto death, if you, then I will. He said to good. he said be confident of every good thing that he has begun in you. He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. If you, then I will.